0: Welcome to Senior Moments on ninety three point one CFISFM.
1: Well, Sharon, we well, are on. Okay, and so um, welcome to Senior Moments, and we're waiting for our first guest, Donna Flood from uh, Hospice. And um, oh, just a minute! I think that uh, we might be getting her. Hopefully, CFISFM uh, Prince George. Judy <laughs> I, speaking. I just sent her a text so. Hi, Donna. I'm going to put you up on hold and you're on right away. (laughs) No, not on hold. Put her on. (laughs) She's on. Hi, Donna. Uh, Let me get her up. Donna. Yep, I'm here. Hi. (laughs) How
2: are you? I'm good. I was going to come in, but then I got distracted. I'm here at the resale store where there's some beautiful things.
1: Oh oh Is there a stove for sale there? <laughs> no,
2: but there's a beautiful dining room table, solid wood. Oh oh It looks beautiful. And then I'm looking at, uh, I guess for winter, I'm looking in their storage room. There seems to be some fur coats and some wedding dresses.
1: Well, I don't want to get married again, but I might oh, be able to <laughs> Never say never. You don't know who's walking in that door. Oh, well, it, whoever it is, I'll say... Well, if it was Sean Connery, I might consider it. That's right. <laughs> and so you and Frank and the girls, are doing fine? Oh, no, girl and son. Well, the girl's
2: gone away to school now, so yeah. she's gone. She's been gone since middle of July and
1: doing well, and... Uh, so, the, the boy's just ready to get back to school. So, tell me, Mary is doing what? She's doing something really interesting.
2: Well, she's going to Royal Military College. Right. So, the first year, she's in St. Jean, Quebec, where she uh, focuses on her bilingualism. Okay. Um, and then next year, she'll move to Kingston and... Uh, She's going into engineering, but she is thinking possibly of space science, which is this whole new field, which sounds so interesting. It's sort of figuring out how, not how do we get there to be an astronaut, but how do we live there when we're we're there, right? And learning what would we need as a civilization to go to those places. So. Wow! I would do that. That
1: sounds pretty cool. Well, and I think that uh, it's very wise to think about where the heck we're going to have to move to after all the stuff that we're doing to our home, called Earth, and uh, all the things that are happening right now around us with the fires and the ha- Haiti with their uh, another earthquake and the flooding in Japan. Um, and then Afghanistan, what's going on in there. I think maybe we want to go to Mars or someplace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think. Um, so I was on your website. You're already selling tickets for the house. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we are. It's
2: a beautiful house. Have you seen it? I went, you probably haven't seen
1: it yet. Well, I went through it, and I have to say it's a whole different architect design that I've seen. I would actually think that I would see that in uh, Nevada or Arizona or some place where they don't have snow.
2: Well, it's called West Coast Contemporary and it's my favorite style and so we got a special architect here in town that actually designed the roof for Prince George so that it really is subtly sloped and has the the weight to to hold a load. So it's specifically designed for us here. And
1: that's what makes it so stunning, right? Well, it looks very, like, Norwegian or Swedish or, you know, it, all the furniture and everything inside, like, there's no curves. It's very um, clean and clean lines. And um, I was really quite surprised. And then when I saw the outside, I was really blown over, actually. The the design is something that I have never seen here in my travels,
2: yeah, no, it's I. I really love it. I think that uh, they did a fantastic job of uh, of building and building it so it it is like something mm-hmm. that we can have in print storage that maybe normally we wouldn't.
1: Yeah, and when I read about the roof, I thought, well, now this is very very smart to uh, because I always thought, like, why do they build a flat roof in uh, the north? you know, where you have to go and shovel it off. Uh When you go back east to Quebec and that, they have these wonderful sloped roofs that I've always wanted to have. And here you've got a guy who's designed the, the roof for the winter. Yeah,
2: so, yeah, like I said, it, it's spectacular. Yeah,
1: and uh what's the address? It's in... Uh, uh, Nechaco something or other
2: it's Nechaco View Subdivision and it's on Brink Drive and it's right on the corner there it's uh, 4041 Brink Drive
1: Okay and they're selling tickets from that building so you can go and and. Uh, what hours are they?
2: They're um, from 10 to 6 yep. you can go to the dream home or you can actually come to our office, you know, on Ferry Avenue, which we always love people to come in and tell us their stories and buy a ticket there. Yeah. And Canadian Tire from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we mm. have them selling there as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pop and in online, there.
2: Online, of course.
1: Yeah, you can do online, and I I had written the number down um, to give out the one eight hundred number. Uh, there it is one eight six six. 4197604 is to order the tickets. And so but I think it would be nice to drop in the Dream Home and buy a ticket and have a tour.
2: Well, yeah, and tomorrow we're having uh, a big event. It's called Dream Big for Hospice, mm. and it's an event down at the house, and there's 48 di- – I'm surprised you're not there mm-hmm. – uh, 48 different um, influencers that are going to be there selling tickets on behalf of hospice. So we've got Mayor Lynn Hall, we've got Harry Conaghy, we've got Dave Moffis, we've got Todd Doherty, we've got 48 different people that will be selling tickets. hmm um, and there's uh, a chance um, if you buy a ticket between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. tomorrow, mm-hmm. you can get entered into a draw to uh, win $500 worth of 50 uh, 50 tickets. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's quite an exciting event. Mm-hmm. Um, so we encourage people to come down, say hello. We'll be having some hot dogs. I think Frozen Paddle is going to be there, the ice cream place. And oh. It's going to be a little bit of a fun day for everybody to sort of re-meet um, each other, right? Because yeah.
1: we've just not, not been seeing each other. Well, we'd be able to talk face-to-face to each other now. I don't know.
2: I think think, well. I think we can. I think you know. I you know what? I think it's be prudent, right? Yeah. It's like with anything. What we learned is like keep your distance. Wash your hands. Yeah. If you're not if you're not well, if you're sick, stay home. Yes, please. And let's let's protect each other, not just from COVID, but from everything. Yes. You know, let's uh, get those colds and flus and everything, and let let's put a damper on them as well.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, folks should go online and have a look at this house. Uh, it's got five bedrooms, four bathrooms, yes, yes. and the basement it, is beautiful.
2: And it is set up so that you can make it into a um, registered suite as well. So yes. even though
1: you win the house, it'll give you that bit of extra money, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. To be, um, because the furniture, does the furniture stay
2: Yes, it does. Everything wow. stays this year. Oh
1: boy. Um, yeah, so have a look. And the basement's got a separate entrance, so y- it could be a rental and it's got a, um, a bathroom, quite a nice bathroom with a shower and everything in it as well. Cause I went on that virtual, I went on and had a virtual tour. Oh,
2: perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, it's very, um, the, it is, like to me, I just thought about when Danish furniture came into popularity in the 50s and 60s, I just thought that this was the design, cause that, all that stuff is so clean, and I, I don't know if that's the word, but, but it's sharp and it's, it's not fancy. It's, but it's, uh, I really like the design of, of Swedish, Danish and Norwegian stuff. They don't have a lot of frills on them.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's like the minimalist design, right? That's it's not a lot, the lot of stuff around. It's yeah. The furniture, they've got legs so you can make sure it's clean underneath. Yes. And there's no desk collecting and Ashley furniture here in town. Mm-hmm. They furnished
1: the whole place for us. Wow, and it was—it's a lot of money that they put into that. I think it was almost thirty thousand dollars worth of furniture. Yeah, yep. and the—the um, the only part that's not staying is the baby's room.
2: Yes, that's right. I yeah.
1: can't guarantee everybody needs a baby's room. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody wants a baby anymore. Yeah, if you, even
2: if you do get the, the wedding dress, and I don't
1: think you'll want the baby's no, room. I, no, I won't. And the City Furniture, they were the ones that provided the washer, dryer, fridge, and stove, and dishwasher, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's Correct. the first time for them. And it was it's close to $7,000 uh, worth. Yep. Yeah, you know, you invest $100 into an $800,000 home with $30,000 worth of furniture plus close to $7,000 worth of, of washer dryer and stuff. You know, that's a pretty good investment, $100. I I
2: don't think you can do that again in, in, with anything, not even Bitcoin, I don't think.
1: No, I don't think so. And you're only selling a certain uh, number of tickets, 12000 yes. is it?
2: Yep, we cap our tickets off so that your chances are, are really good. And don't forget also, you know, I'm $100 right now. $100 is $100 and I get that. Yep. So that's why we've got the 50-50. For $25 uh, dollars, the chance to win 150000 I think we're well over 90000 right now and growing quickly. So I'm pretty optimistic we'll get up to 150000 So twenty-five
1: dollars to 150000 is not a bad exchange either. Wow. No, it's just making money. And how helping a hospice to keep running and, and providing the services that you are already providing. Uh, which I think some of us will use one day. Um, I plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope you'll be there to take care of me. <laughs> I will always be there. But
2: uh, one of the things and I think people need to know is, you know, all our services are free. There is no yes. barrier for people, especially our caregiver program, our COVID long haul, or all of our grief and bereavement support, you know. Yeah. It's really the community looking after the community. So getting
1: a ticket just really helps helps us all right it does and uh it is an investment and you're going to have two 50 50 draws this year
2: yes we are so the first one is september 17th Mm -hmm. Um, and then our second one will be the day that we give away a house we'll also give away 150 on december 17th
1: what a christmas present I know, how cool right? Eh? <laughs> and so that's really neat that you're doing two draws Because uh, I know that you only saw it sell so many tickets per draw And uh, last year I know people missed out well,
2: and, and the other thing is because um, our community programs have grown so much. Yes. like The amount of community programs and people that we support, that is not funded at all. We get no funding from the government
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to, to provide those programs, and there are children's programs and adult programs and grief and care. Like, there's so many different programs or one-on-ones um, that the second 50-50s actually supports those programs to ensure that we can continue to grow, those as well.
1: Yeah, and you have a new program. Was it um, Lost Through COVID? Uh, oh, no. You know no. what it is, Sharon? It's um, the COVID
2: long haulers. So oh, those are the yeah. people that have gotten COVID and have just not recovered. Oh. And it's, it's severe. Like, I had no idea until these people started coming and telling their stories. It's been described as, like, the people are in their, their 40s, and they said it's like going from 40 to 70 overnight. Oh, no. They, they have breathing problems. They have difficulty functioning. They're not able to do their work anymore. They're exhausted. Um, some of them now are on oxygen, or they've got liver problems. There's a multitude. Um, and this is all post-COVID recovery, and it's severe, and there's a lot of them out there, um, So so that's who we're trying to help, because there's sort of this new group of people that are lost and giving them at least some peer support with each other so they can, you know, at least have someone else to share what what they're going through.
1: And the thing is that COVID is a new uh, challenge, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing when it first came, and because it's so new, we really are just learning about the the after-effects.
2: Yep. Yeah. We have no idea what, yeah, where everybody's learning in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, um, that one, uh, Chris Como, who's on CNN, he got it and he changed. You could see his personality has changed. He seems very angry and right now he's off and he was talking about his brain and he's been very open about his recovery and how has affected him. But, you know, they don't know. They really don't know. It's really good that you're doing that because what if you're just by yourself and you're having these feelings and you think that you're the only person that's kind of losing their mind and uh, why do I feel like I'm 70 when I'm 40? And And you
2: know what, that's exactly it They feel like they're losing their minds Um, They're also being shunned By people because people are frightened Of them because they don't know what it means I have one um, That she, you know, she Called up her mom and said, mom you know, can I come over and, you know, get some stuff done for you, do your chores? And the mom mm-hmm. says, no, I'm sorry, I'm frightened of you now. You can't come.
1: Oh, boy.
2: So you're you're dealing with all these physical symptoms, and then it's um, it's been equated to almost the stigma people had with AIDS, right? People yes. are frightened of them. They're not sure how they got the COVID. There's blame and shame. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, cause it's interesting. My friend and I have both watched CNN once in a while and we both have said we see such a change in him. And, uh, and, and so it's really important that people do have a, a place to sit down and talk about how they're feeling. And my gosh, can you be, imagine being rejected, um, by your family when you're feeling so awful? Yeah, that's a tough one.
2: Yeah, it is really tough. So, so we're really thankful that we're actually able to provide the space and the support for people that that need
1: it, right? Yeah. The other thing is that, um, you know, I think one of the things about hospice is about how they are, you are on things that you have the vision about, Oh, look at that. Those people are going to need some, uh, some support. And, uh, uh, that's what hospice does. It fills a gap.
2: Well, and I think that's what we're most proud of is that we really are there in response to what the community needs. You know, when they yep. tap on our door, mm-hmm. um, we never say no. That's not ours. We get together and we say, okay, how do we how do we support them? And you know, that's the, how remarkable all of the staff are, and you know, just how they really want to be out there and
1: help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting back to this. House, this hospice house that's up right now. Um, The other thing we didn't talk about was the um, the wraparound deck. Oh, yes, that's pretty nice. Yeah, and and
2: uh, you have a view of the river. You know what, it's actually the um, first house we've had that does have a beautiful view. When we were picking the plan, we picked it so that you could actually sit mm-hmm. and oversee and, mm-hmm. and see that. Yeah. So that's a nice added feature to this house.
1: Yeah. Wow. And, um, and I really um, wanted to make sure that people realize that there is this wraparound deck. And I think that there's a door off of one of the bedrooms onto that deck.
2: Yes, after off the master bedroom. Yep. Yeah. It uh, goes out and then it wraps around all to the front, so you can get on the deck from wow. the front, yep. from the kitchen straight through to the master bedroom.
1: Isn't that going to be something? I got to get a ticket. I guess I'd rent out the five bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I sure don't need a place that big. Anyway, we've got just a, a minute left, um, Donna. I we just love talking to you. Um, and so, do you need some volunteers? Do you want? Are you ready to start to bringing volunteers back in again?
2: Um, we we are. We've got our we volunteers already back in the house. Good. Um, the public health orders allow that. Good. Um, You know, we're not sure what's coming down the pipe about ensuring that they they do are double vaccinated. Yes. Uh, But right now we're wearing masks. Yes. To make sure everyone stays safe. Good. Um, But, yeah, we've got people back in there baking. We've got people back in sitting at the bedside. We have... Back in the resale store, which we can always use some support for. Yep. And um, even people that just want to maybe learn how to provide brief support. And we've got great training programs. Because I know you sometimes do. people are frightened
1: to volunteer because
2: yep. they don't know what to say.
1: We do all that training. Yeah, you do. It's great training. I took it, and it gives me another look. I have to say goodbye to you now. All uh, right. We got late. our next guest, and we'll talk to you before Christmas.
2: All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, yeah, please. thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And we'll take a short break and be back with our next guest. There's a river of birds in
0: question a nation of a series of news and current affairs programs by and about women around the world. Produced and distributed by the Women's International News Gathering Service.
4: Listen for Wings Wednesday nights at 8.30 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The Canadian Red Cross is encouraging people under evacuation order due to wildfires in B.C. to register with Red Cross by calling 1-800-863-6582 between 9 and 5. Registration ensures people can be contacted while away from home and can be reached with further information on Red Cross services and assistance as it becomes available. If you wish to help people impacted by BC wildfires, contribute to the British Columbia Fires Appeal
0: online at redcross.ca. Support PG is celebrating its first anniversary by giving you a chance to win. Download and print the Summer Vacation Passport from supportpg.ca, then shop locally through September 28th to collect stickers. You could win one of three staycation packages from Tourism Prince George. Follow supportpg on Facebook and Instagram, or visit supportpg.ca to stay up to date. Get shopping today to increase your chances. The Support PG Passport for your Summer Vacation, on through September 28th from supportpg forecast from environment
4: canada for today's sunny wind from the southeast at 20k a high of 22 with a high uv index tonight partly cloudy southeast winds becoming light this evening a low of seven on wednesday a mix of sun and cloud becoming cloudy in the morning wind from the southwest at 20 gusting to 40 in the afternoon and a high of 19. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Senior Community. When you live at Riverbend, you will feel right at home.
1: Okay, Sharon, we're back on, and our next guest is on the line. Hello, Riley Skinner. Hi there. How are you?
3: Not too bad. How are you?
1: We've got Riley here from uh, Prince George Northern. Crisis Line of Prince George. Is that how it's registered now, Riley?
3: Yeah, it's the Crisis Center for Northern BC.
1: Right. And so I was looking at uh, the area, and so you go from uh, Alberta border yeah, to Haida Gwaii to Quesnel to the Yukon border, and that's the area that you cover, and then you uh, if somebody phones from another area, you can give them information about their area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And, and so, um, Sandra's away doing a training and I thought it might be good to talk about that because I don't think a lot of people realize that, uh, they can get the crisis line to come in and, and train their staff.
3: Yeah, in addition to, like, the crisis land services that we offer, we also do community education for the entire region of northern BC. Mm -hmm. We have quite a roster of different types of community education and workshops that we do, ranging from elementary school all the way to adults, professionals, seniors, um, Uh really anything.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I would think it would be um, something that, well, if I was sort of running... um, The RCMP, I would have, I would have Crisis Line come in and talk to the staff about working with, even though they would have that training. I think I would want to upgrade that training at least once a year, um, and have the Crisis Line come in. And so I just wanted to let it out there to the community that you can get a hold of uh, Crisis Line and arrange for them to come in and do some training. I'm really glad that you're going into the elementary schools. Because I forget who we were talking to, uh, doing an interview. Oh, it was Canadian Mental Health Association. And we were talking about the suicide of, um, youth. And, uh, and I said, well, how come we don't start teaching the kids about, uh, kind of checking out your friend when you're little, you know, in, in kindergarten? And, uh, and, and then they told me that uh, they are going into the schools.
3: Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's really important to talk about, especially at those ages when you're first starting to like um, become more aware of those kinds of topics.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because I was thinking about you know you got a little friend and your friend seems sad, and uh, and to encourage you know you to talk to your friend and say. What's going on? Because we don't know what's going on at home. And uh, when I remember some of my friends, they had stepdads that weren't very nice to them. And um, that one girl, she ran away from home when she was 12. So how do we get help? But if we can start t- talking to kids at a young age about, oh, well, maybe just check and see how your friend's doing, and then... What would they do? Would they go and talk to a teacher?
3: Yeah, you've got the right idea. And I think the most important part is opening the dialogue for those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. Suicide is not an easy subject. No. A lot of people shy away from it. It's very stigmatized. Mm-hmm. So the really the biggest change factor is opening up conversations about these topics that aren't easy. Yep. Especially at a very young age, um, in the early grades, when these topics are first coming up, we have to teach people that these are normal things to talk about. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly okay to share those things with each other, mm-hmm. with teachers, with parents.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I think it's really important, if every, anybody listening can remember back to your public school days and the early days about... Some of your friends that come in and they didn't, um, ever change their clothes. You know, they didn't seem to have a good lunch with them. Um, and the teacher should be looking out for that, but the kid's not going to really talk to the teacher as much as they'll talk to their, their friends. And those are the conversations, like you say. That are very difficult, but I, we need to encourage that. I'm so glad that you are going into the schools, Riley. Because uh, when I think about these things, I I remember a lot of kids that I wish that I had had the tools to ask them what's going on.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And and so your job is program coordinator. So do you develop these programs for training or? Um, Can we come in and have training with Crisis Line? How does that work?
3: Yeah, so there are a lot of different people involved. Um, We do have a coordinator for community education. Uh, It is her role to kind of oversee the implementation of our workshops. Um, And we also work as a team to develop them over the years as uh, time goes on. Best practices change. We learn new things that we didn't know before before. And so we're always striving to continuously grow and and make sure that our workshops are meeting the needs of the community we serve.
1: Yes. And, and I think one of the things that we learned over the years is that a crisis is what the person feels the crisis is, not what we think a crisis is. Correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
3: A crisis is, is unique to the person.
1: Yeah, and that's not the way it was years ago. We, we would. I remember they had flying down in Cornell. They had like a, I forget what they called it, a flying group or something that would go flying into the house of the people that were calling. You know, all the things that you have learned not to do back in the day, in the 70s, 80s, they were doing them. And... Uh, it's it's really interesting to see how our um, minds have changed in how we work with people, and, and it's being where they are, not where we think they are.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it, been a struggle to, like, recognize that we actually don't know a lot about the work that we do. Mm-hmm. As we go through the process, we are learning as well.
1: Mm-hmm. We are. Um, uh, now... You do the recruitment as well, so um, your whole volu- your whole uh, lines are run by volunteers, right?
3: Primarily by volunteers. We do have paid staff as well.
1: Yes, but um, so if I wanted to volunteer to to be on the phone lines, would I be in the office or would I have a phone, a special phone?
3: Yeah. So we've recently opened up uh, volunteering. To, for people who can do it at their home. Mm-hmm. So that means not only people in Prince George, but people across the whole region of northern B.C. Mm-hmm. We do a little bit of both. We offer the crisis center as a call room for people to come into um, if that's not available or if people prefer. Mm-hmm. they are also able to do the work from home.
1: And so it's a 24-7, and um, and so people wouldn't be in the office at uh, midnight on, would they, from 12 to 8 in the morning?
3: no nope, that's primarily done from home
1: yeah and uh and so but the training um and I've always been kind of proud of this the training that the crisis line offers the volunteers is probably some of the best in in uh, bc that's, that's what yeah, i've that's heard <laughs> You
3: definitely are doing your best. Yeah,
1: and um, and so I know that a lot of people want to come in for the training, but they um, are committed to do so many hours. Are they not a volunteer work?
3: Yes, the trade-off is um, one four hours once a week for a minimum of one year.
1: How many hours? Four hours. Four hours a- once a week. Yeah, so that's that's not a big commitment. And uh, when you uh, do the training, it, that is recognized all over the provinces, and uh, it is one of the best. I was on the board for quite a while, so I do know a little bit. But I also know that you've changed um, some of the ways you do things to catch up with what's happening. I mean, you started operations in 1970, and, and that was all by volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, so things were really different <laughs> that many years ago. Um, the other thing is that you guarantee confidentiality. And so, does that mean if somebody phones and they're committing suicide at that time, that how do you you know how would that be handled?
3: Right. So what we do is we follow the guidelines of the Mental Health Act. Okay. So that act dictates that if someone is um, at risk of harming themselves or others, or they demonstrate that they're unable to care for themselves, Mm -hmm. that we can call the police and have that person be um, assessed. So whether that be taken to the hospital to seek treatment or whatever that might mean for that person.
1: Mm -hmm. And so when I had a call like that uh, at home from someone who was actively killing themselves, and I happened to have a um, an extra phone that I was able to phone somebody else and ask them to phone uh, the police in, in Vancouver. And uh, I stayed on the phone with uh, the person that was c- killing themselves. Um, do you know, afterwards... He told me that if I ever called his place again, he would have me killed.
3: A, a caller told you that,
1: yeah, that okay that I that I had prevented from killing uh, killing himself, mm-hmm. and so that's you know like what is the mind you that was a personal thing. the The people that you talk to wouldn't really know uh, who you are. That's about being um, confidential.
3: Yeah, definitely. Confidentiality is both about the caller. Yeah. is very important. Yes. uh, Also confidentiality for our responders and for our center.
1: But the point is, if they're really actively trying to harm themselves, you have the right to call the police.
3: Yeah, we do. Yeah. And that's something that we do um, as a very last resort. Yes. We never seek to um, involve ourselves in people's lives more than we need to only if we feel that's a step that needs to be done in order to protect someone's life.
1: Yeah. And in your training, uh, the good part about it is that you tra- you train people to um, help people to learn how to help themselves. You don't cause a dependency.
3: Right. So what we do is we teach uh, person-centered therapy, or a small piece of it. Mm-hmm. So it's about listening and empowering rather than helping or telling someone what to do.
1: Yeah. Now, it's, it, it, describe empowering. That's an interesting word to me. And so what does empowering mean to the crisis line?
3: Right. So When we say empowering, we mean uh, helping someone to recognize that there are options available to them. Maybe they're not options that uh, someone thought of Mm -hmm. or knew was available, Mm -hmm. but kind of helping to set out those building blocks and set them where someone can reach them.
1: Because so many people that I've worked with um, wouldn't know what that word meant. And so many people that I've worked with feel so powerless that they don't know how to make a decision right, right. yeah and so i'm really curious about the the use of that word because how do you empower people who don't know what power is
3: and and that's a great question. And it's not always something that we can do. Mm-hmm. It's something that we move towards. Yes. Maybe we can't help someone make a decision, but we can listen to them. Yes. It's about meeting someone where they are.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not
3: trying to get them on uh, a schedule that works for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And not, um, you know, like putting out a smorgasbord of, of, of choices rather than... Uh, been only one choice like to go to see a mental health person you might uh, say uh, in my mind I think of uh, massage therapy and, and different things like that to uh, reduce stress because most people when they're in crisis are stressed to the max how do you reduce stress
3: right and it's like that listening component that kind of helps in training what we do is I fill up a balloon, like a, an air balloon, mm-hmm. and we show that that is someone who's calling. And what we do is we listen, and when we listen, we open the balloon a little bit, and we release a little bit of that pressure. Right. And it's our hopes that by releasing some of that pressure, that person might go on to lift their and function normally, maybe they do need to go see a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. And that's a choice that they can make, um, given our support in, in heading that direction.
1: Yes. That's a good analogy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's okay. like the stove, uh, the the kettle on the back of the stove <laughs> that's slowly starting to boil over. Yeah. It's, it's better to release the steam before it boils over. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so if are you taking volunteers right now, Riley, with uh, COVID being kind of safe?
3: Yes, we are. Um, we have really changed the way that we do training. It's more accessible than ever. Okay. Uh, it's virtual. It's uh, offered more frequently. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it's now open to responders all across the region.
1: Wonderful. So how does uh, somebody apply for that?
3: Yep, they can reach out to me uh, through our phone lines, through my email address. All of that information is on our website as well.
1: Right. So the phone number for you? My phone number? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure.
3: Mm-hmm. So my phone number is 250-564-9312. Mm-hmm.
1: And then... Um you have a really good website that people can go on and I'm thinking of the students that are taking social services or, or want to be nurses, um, or, or helpers of people. Um, they would be really beneficial to take this training as part of their resume, I think anyway. Um, and also, um, I, I think it's a good idea if you want to be involved. Uh, to get on the board because I was on the board for quite a few years and I learned an awful lot about being comfortable talking about suicide and uh, and what a crisis is. And I think, uh, I don't know if Sandra needs board members or not, but people, if you just phone and ask, because it's a good place to learn uh, an awful lot about people and how to help them. You've been there a little while now, Riley. Sorry, that again? You've been there a little while. I have, yes. Yeah, you started off a as a, a volunteer, didn't you? I did. Yeah. And so this is a good advertisement uh, to go and volunteer. You might get a job. That's what happened to me.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. We're always looking to uh, get more people involved, whether that be as a volunteer, as a board member, um, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. Well, Riley, I have to say goodbye to you, but I thank you very much for your time. <clears throat> and I encourage people to uh, learn more about the crisis line and get involved. Thank you, Riley. Take care. Bye. We'll take a short break and we'll be back with our next guest.
4: Extreme heat can pose health risks. Watch for signs of heat exhaustion, including high body temperature, confusion or lack of coordination and muscle cramps, and heat stroke, which can also include dizziness or fainting, and very hot red skin. For heat exhaustion, move to a cool place and drink liquids, preferably water. Heat stroke is a medical emergency. Call 911, move the person to a cool place, apply cold water to large areas of the skin, and fan the person as much as possible. For more information on how to beat the heat, visit the Extreme Heat webpage page at canada.ca.
0: The University of Northern BC is conducting a research survey on the use of technology to support social connection during COVID-19. The survey is to learn how people are using technology to share information and maintain social connections during the pandemic. Those over the age of 18 are invited to share their experiences and enter a draw to win one of five $50 Amazon gift cards. To take the survey or for more information, click on the UNBC survey link on the public service announcement page at cfisfm.com.
4: The Indigenous Physical Activity and Recreation Council has a new cooking show. Food is Medicine features dietitians Rachel Dickens and Fiona Devereaux celebrating the people and foods of BC. The four-part series highlights meals that are accessible and nutritious, served with a side of quirky humor from the hosts. Access the show through ispark.ca or search for Food is Medicine on YouTube. Food is Medicine. Part of the Healthy Living Program from the Indigenous Physical Activity and Recreation Council. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny wind from the southeast at twenty K, a hive twenty-two with a high UV index, tonight partly cloudy, southeast winds becoming light this evening, a low of seven. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud becoming cloudy in the morning, wind from the southwest at twenty gusting to forty in the afternoon, and a hive nineteen. <laughs> brought to you in part by Riverbend Manor. You're listening to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFIS FM.
1: Okay, Sharon, we're back on and we've got our guest sitting here. Yes, we have Kristen Kirsten. I'm you know, a little <laughs> uh, Kirsten Sumner, and Kirsten is with BC um, Caribou SPCA. And uh these, these are one of the most important services in our community because, especially right now, what's going on with fire and stuff. But, um, Kirsten, are you down? Do you work in the office down there?
5: Yeah. So I'm there seven days a week right now. Mm-hmm. We're working really hard, as you mentioned, with the fires, with the emergency boarding. Um, we've been nonstop. Mm-hmm. We're taking in any kind of emergency evacuations for people that have been, um, that haven't been able to be at home with their animals. Yes. We're taking everything in.
1: Yeah. so Yeah, we were talking to the Humane Society a couple of weeks ago, and they got 33 kittens in there. and like, oh, my goodness, you guys, what are you doing? Where do you have the room? Um, I mean, you're in a good spot down there. At least you've got lots of trees around, and it's, it's kind of nice. But how many animals have you got in there right now?
5: So currently in our care, we have... I think low 20s, and that's just the BCSPCA's animals. That's not our emergency boards. Oh we have about boy. 67 emergency boards. Uh, and we just sent off a lot of our, um, a lot of our team has been sent down to the Okanagan to assist with pulling animals out of the hot seat, essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. My friend's, uh, grandson has been evacuated down there in Kelowna and, uh, the, the, uh, the new, housing development above them is really in danger. You know, like people, we don't really have um, a clue of, you know, all we get is the smoke right now. I hope that's all we get. Exactly. Good Lord. All we Uh, see is the news. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And so if you had to evacuate, do you have a, a place to take the animals here? So if our shelter
5: goes into an evacuation order, then we move to the next SPCA. Um, mm-hmm. So, right now, Quinell has been the point for the North going down. So, the Quinell has been taking kind of the Northern animals that have evacuations. Mm-hmm. And we just keep going to the next shelter. Yeah, um, A huge asset to the SPCA is our foster network. Yes. So, we rely on our foster homes and our foster parents. Because at this point, if you have an open home, we have an animal that needs you. Yes. Um, especially like the Humane Society with 30 kittens. Yes. We have kittens as well.
1: And yeah. they not stop. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> now... I was thinking Baldy Hughes. Um, you know that might be a place where you could evacuate to because they've got barns and they've got um, uh, corrals and all kinds of stuff and, and of space. yeah, <laughs> and guys that would take care of them. So I, that was just a thought I, I I would share with you. Yeah. Now. The, they're doing a fundraising is it a provincial fund well all the money goes to all the the different SPCAs that we have in our communities so BC uh, SPCA will be doing the fundraiser but the money will come to the different communities.
5: Yeah, so what we do for fundraising is everything goes through our our provincial office. Mm-hmm. Um all the donations that we get from our larger sponsors, um like Hills pet food, they do a lot of our they they feed all of our shelter animals. Wow. um throughout all of BC. Wow. So we've been blessed to have them as a sponsor. Yeah, uh, All of the donations that are done locally, so all cash donations or items and food, all stay within our community, mm-hmm. um, especially food. So we're looking to build up the food bank. We work with the Salvation Army, oh, and we good. bring all our donations. All of our food goes there, mm-hmm. and we help repackage them and get them out to the people in our community that need it.
1: And so... Um You're, you're not open five days a week or seven days a week. You've just got certain days that we can come down.
5: Yeah. So even though there's people behind the scenes seven days a week, we have our doors open. From twelve PM to five PM, Tuesday to Saturday, mm-hmm. we are by appointment only at the moment. As right. we are doing a lot of catch up, it's been a long year and a bit for everybody. Yes, so we're trying to get us ready for the ready for the public. We've got our volunteers open, so we're doing a soft opening on
1: volunteers coming in and okay. visiting the animals. Yeah, so you need walkers and and people to come and play with them and clean them and yeah. exactly
5: mainly enrichment. Mm-hmm. Our team, we do a lot of the cleaning. The minute we get there, we're cleaning and we're scrubbing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of enrichment, because these animals, we have, I don't want to go above our. Compassionate care numbers. Yes, right. There's only so much we can help, but with our volunteers, we're able to do more enrichment. Maybe that one Siamese that yells a lot in the corner gets somebody to brush him for an hour. Yeah, yeah. A lot of enrichment, a lot of dog walking, like you mentioned. Yeah, and a lot of fun. It's fun volunteering with us. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. That's good to hear because you think of it as being sad, you know. And they always. Show the saddest pictures that they can find that make your heart break.
5: <laughs> we have lots of happy stories. But
1: <laughs> and so, um, with this COVID and, and with the fires and everything, so, and the increase in animals, uh, and hills does give you food, but you probably need blankets and, um, Toys and...
5: Yeah, a huge thing for our animals in our care are, um, like, Kongs. Anything that keeps a a dog busy. Yeah. um, Because they are in their kennels or in our care for a long time we mm-hmm. do kongs to kind of stimulate to keep them busy puzzle games puzzle feeders mm-hmm. uh cat litter is a huge one as well oh yes as, like especially clay a lot of we use a wood pellet but just due to the sheer amounts that we go through we yeah. try to be eco-friendly as well yeah Um but a lot of these cats that are coming in are using clay litter in their homes yes so we're trying to integrate them the best into our care as well as keeping it the same for when they are able to go home finally
1: yeah because um, when I was talking to Humane Society, and they mentioned they're using pellets, oh, I went and bought a bag, and I use clay and uh, and my house is just full of clay dust, so I'm putting it in slowly, yeah, but the thing that I found about the pellets is that it it really does uh pull scent. You know, you don't smell the litter. Then your house smells more like pine. Yeah. <laughs> it smells it a little really more does. like Christmas than yeah, anything. I know. <laughs> so I just put a, a, a bowl of, full of them just in the, that room uh, to oh, add my God. to it. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, I'll share that with people because uh, the cats don't like it, but I'm introducing it. But it really does make my my mudroom smell like pine. It's quite nice. Better than cat litter. Yeah. (laughs) And the dust from it. I wonder what my lungs are like. (laughs) Besides a (laughs) hairball. And so Kongs are... Or for the dogs and then cats, you could buy those play mice or
5: exactly. Yeah. We're always needing anything for stimulation, and if we aren't able to use it at the shelter, mm-hmm. it, we do try to bring it to the other humane societies in town, the other rescues, mm-hmm. because there's nothing better than building each other up. We're That's all here right. to help the community, yeah, and we all have different assets. It's yeah, like we we have the stray agreement, so we work with a lot of the strays in town, whereas the humane society can help out with the surrender. So we really try to build the team in town, yeah or one community.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And the other thing that I was reading uh somewhere was that people are going back to work and now they don't know what to do with their animals yes. and there's uh, that happening, That's kind of surrender.
5: Yeah. So I think with COVID, there was a spike of people at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and even my dogs felt that. All of a sudden, their schedules changed, their routines changed. Yeah. Um, a huge thing that will be coming up is anxiety and separation anxiety. Yeah. So just looking into training your dog prior to going home, finding mm-hmm. out the techniques to help with separation anxiety, mm-hmm. that will definitely help our community. Yeah. But I think uh, as well with COVID is we lost a lot of our vet access because of all these numbers of animals going home and it's been right. great yeah there's been empty everyone's in a home yeah but the vet we need vets more than ever
1: yeah so. <laughs> yeah we do don't we yeah. now the other part um that uh, i'd like to talk about more is fostering so yes. you need fosters we are in desperate need of
5: all kinds of fosters mm-hmm. uh, we have lots of rabbits Mm -hmm. And we have lots of kittens and puppies. Mm -hmm. Now we get these animals into homes, so we foster them before they can be adopted, just due to the... Um, herd immunity of our shelter. We can't have kittens in yeah. just to make sure that they're taken care of. They're the most uh, fragile mm-hmm. little ones. And if mm-hmm. they're exposed to the same level, yeah, we can't have them there. So we we are looking for kitten fosters. Uh-oh. I have two that are looking currently. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's looking to sign up for a foster, we'd love your call. Give us a call. You can even pop down. We'll fit you in in an appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as we have mothers with puppies. So we're desperately looking for fosters.
1: Now, uh, um, the puppies, are they big puppies or little or? Well, they're small right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're
5: still young. Yeah.
2: They're um, just little puppies. Exactly. You can take them home.
5: <laughs> I think the main thing is, uh, like the mother size, right? Yes. So, yeah. um, this one, I don't know the size of the litter. We're really just putting out an all call. We're trying to help the northern shelters as well. Yeah. So a lot of these shelters, they don't have the access to resources that we do here. Right. Like when I say, We don't have much vet care. We have a lot more than some of the communities are trying to help out. Yes, for sure. So the main thing is getting these animals into Prince George. So that's uh, that's this mother. So we're trying to bring her in. Uh, We do need a dog foster. If you've had any kind of experience with puppies, Mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, good. Well, I know that there are people who really um, can do that fostering, uh, but I also know there's people like me that end up keeping them.
3: I, I did the
5: same thing. My first one, I've still got her.
1: So exactly. <laughs> you say it's
5: always your first
1: one that you foster. Family. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like everything. The first contact is the, uh, you know, when you're going into the, uh, see your doctor, <laughs> if it's the nurse that you see first, you don't want to see him. You just exactly. want to see. Exactly.
5: <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. always the cutest little, like you said, like yeah. that's sad. The big kitten eyes are yeah. always the ones that you fall in love oh, with. Oh yeah, so.
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I saw a picture of uh, one of those hairless cats, and I think, uh, now who would take one of those poor cats? And there's people who really like them. Hey, I
5: love them. That's, we're looking for one for our home. We're waiting for a rescue to come up. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and I think about them as, uh, foot warmers
5: <laughs> and they, they suck on your body heat. I've never met a hairless animal. Like they have the little guinea pigs that are hairless, the little oh, dogs, really? and every single hairless animal I've met is uh-huh. just obsessed with people. Oh, because I think okay. it's because you're warmer than that. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: probably. Yeah. They need a little coat. Exactly. They, yeah. You'll have to be knitting little <laughs> yeah. outfits and little mitts for them for the winter. (laughs) Now, what else can we do? We need uh, volunteers, and things are kind of quieting down a little bit. So now maybe you can have volunteers more, eh? Yeah, so Um,
5: we do everything through our website. All of our volunteers, we're switching to app-based, so you're able to complete it online, sign up for uh, certain times that you can come in, so it isn't... Kind of the abyss of volunteers. We have set schedules that you're able to sign up for. Yeah, um, but yeah, we love volunteers, fosters. Uh, another huge one for the shelter is education. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of programs. We had one this week with the Prince George Public Library. Oh, good for yeah. uh, younger. For children and young adults that were interested in learning more about animals, mm-hmm. so we partner up with a lot of education in
1: the community oh that's a great idea yeah. it, it's like getting the kids to learn at a young age exactly. that they're not objects yeah. that they have feelings and you can hurt them exactly. and they do have to be it's not up to mum to open up the food it's up to you <laughs> I mean I remember mum having to feed the animals and uh, I think about it now and I think well, mothers mothers are always end up doing everything yeah. and yeah. that's
5: everything when we do our adoptions we only look at the mother yeah exactly <laughs> you look at the head of the house yeah. you look at the parents and yeah. even though I I did the same as a kid I'll yeah. clean up I'll do I'll clean up all yeah. the poop I everything promise. yeah no 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 it all
1: comes down to the parents yeah. <laughs> mom oh poor mom say <laughs> now uh, the education thing I remember when I was involved in the um it's the Transition House, of, of um, Provincial Transition House Society. We had, the society had a partnership with the SPCA because they knew that if the animal was being abused, the child was probably being abused. Oh. and And so we had the SPCA coming into the shelters to talk about animal care, and I'm thinking, mmm, I think we, I need to get a hold of a few people around yeah. here and get them to get a hold of you and to come in and talk to the kids and, uh, talk to them about being a responsible pet owner. Yeah. yeah so I'll do that t- today. Just a
5: responsible community member. Yes. Right? That's all we're all here for is to take care of every living thing here. Yes. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good way of Yeah, we it.
5: are. At the SPCA, we're looking at building up community connections. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a new team coming in that'll be just focusing on outreach mm-hmm. and getting to know everyone in the community. So it's going to no. be, there's going to be some, some great growth within the next
1: year. And then I start thinking um about uh, certain, those places fostering. Yeah.
5: You know? I know in the past that certain uh homes have had animals that they've taken care yes. of. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know what we're doing currently. But I think yeah. there's lots of opportunity there.
1: Yeah. So. I know that when I was at Phoenix House... Uh, um there was kittens dropped off, and I brought oh. them in, and some I took home, and some uh, were big enough to survive the the shelter yeah. but you know the, the kids need a pet to hold, and so do the adults yeah. and Um, I think uh, we need to start bringing those together now that COVID is kind of down a little bit. We need to start bringing that idea into the places because everybody needs a mascot. And that's what this can be. Exactly. Do you get goats? Do you get any goats? That would be a good mascot.
5: (laughs) We don't get a lot of livestock. We've got space for, I think, one horse down at our shelter. We do have, like, within the BC SPCA, we have a barn that is just for, uh, livestock. So we have a full livestock team down on the coast.
1: Yeah. Really? That's great. (laughs) Okay, so let's give out the phone number. So that people can phone in and and talk to you uh, or staff about uh, being a volunteer.
5: Yeah. So our phone number for the shelter is 250-562-5511. Or you can email at North Caribou with two O's Mm -hmm. at spca.bc.ca. Yeah, boo. Yeah, exactly.
1: Boo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they remember, and I think this is one of the things I wanted to happen at the shelters that I worked at, was to bring women down there to walk the dogs and to bring them down to clean the cages and brush the animals. And I thought that would be part of their volunteer, uh, hours for staying at the shelter. And yeah. so that's something that I would like to, Work with you and I'll, I'll get a hold of the shelters and oh, see if we can get something going. I mean, there, there's shelters and there's shelters. There's shelter, but the shelter I want to be left at if I'm in a wheelchair is the SPCA <laughs> one. because I know, we'll I, know, right I know exactly how well you treat the animals. Oh, thank you. <laughs> anyway, Kirsten, is there anything more? We've got just a minute left and, um, is there any burning thing that you need?
5: I think it's just getting people down, come down and volunteer your time, and just donations. Because we're doing the emergency boarding and emergency evacuations, we're in need of donations now more than ever. Mm -hmm. We can take them in person, or you can donate through our website, sbca.bc.ca.
1: And I've dropped it off. When there's been nobody there, I've just dropped it off at the door. and And so kitty litter is a big one. And yeah. uh go on their website, and you'll see what else they need. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank it's you for having me. It's been very nice <laughs> to meet you and to talk to you, and we'll do this again. Sounds great. Great. Thank <laughs> you. And we will say goodbye now. Uh,